This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler Apes, 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 apes. <laughs> Welcome, <Apes> everyone. <laughs> this is actually, even though it says 19, this is actually our 20th episode of The Spoiler Room, and I couldn't think of a better way to spend our 20th episode than with this fine group of individuals as we talk the latest Apes movie that came out this past weekend, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. And let's go right down the line and introduce ourselves. Uh, Colin, uh, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Glad you could join us. And always the lovely Dawn is in the house. How are you tonight, Dawn? Just fabulous. Thank you. Fantastic. The one and only big friggin' deal, Glenn, is in the house. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good. All right, good to hear. And we are joined with uh, uh, a newcomer to the uh, spoiler room, uh, Mr. Andrew Shearer. Uh, I don't think we've had you on before, have we, or one time before? No, Plus, never. No. No, this uh, might, might first bust time. my cherry on this one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for asking me on. You bet. We're glad to have you along. Uh, Andrew Shears from Gonzerific Films. And then, of course, Mr. Tiger Power himself, man who just had a birthday, Tony Estrada. How you doing today, sir? I am doing really good. 20 years old right here. And it's funny considering this is the 20th episode. So, uh, it's your we're golden gonna, episode. It's the golden episode, yeah. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Now, it's... Uh, taken off at the box office, uh, and it's very popular and gotten uh, fairly, really, actually, really decent critical reviews. And so I wanted to talk about it tonight because I know everybody would have an opinion about it. Uh, if you want to know what the summary of Planet of the Apes is, well, uh, basically it's ten years later after Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and the virus, the simian virus, has taken out pretty much most of the human population. There's uh, appears to be groups of uh, survivors here and there, but one group that has survived and thrived is the groups of apes uh, that are uh, out there that were led by our friend Caesar out of uh, the experimental labs and into the woods, and they've grown to quite a tribe, and they've pretty well lived apart from the humans until one fateful day. They end up crossing paths with the humans. We see the, the uh, situation escalates from there as they try to maintain peace between these two species, but inevitably it's going to meet to a very nasty confrontation. Uh, so let's start right down the line and just get initial impressions. Colin, uh, when you saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and it got done, did it surprise you? Yes, I mean, it looked really good to me from the trailers, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite as good or as enjoyed as much as I did after I got out of the movie. Definitely agree. Don, what about you? Were you surprised that uh, you actually enjoyed the film as much as you did? A little. I was surprised that I enjoyed it. I, I figured I would enjoy it. I was figuring it was going to be a popcorn movie, you know, Nothing real deep, but I was a little surprised that I did end up liking it as much as I did, especially because one of my initial opinions going into the movie was, really? So, I, I'll save the really. Yes. Better. And then uh, we have Glenn. Glenn, uh, did you enjoy the film at least when it was done? I did enjoy it. I just can't think at all about uh, at all. 
when it comes to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the more I, the more I think, the angrier I get at stuff. Ah, okay. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to hearing some of those thoughts. And uh, Andrew, uh, were you surprised at the film after you got done? Uh. I I love movies and I love the Planet of the Apes movies, so I would have probably been more surprised if I didn't like it. Really. Sure. Sure. And uh, Tony, what about you, sir? Were you uh, surprised uh, at the end of the film? Like just by you... like just by um, like my initial reaction to it, yeah. or yeah, how much you enjoyed it or not enjoyed it. Well, uh, I came into the film not excited like a lot of people are, but I was like really interested in it. So, like, okay, this has my attention. But like, I really enjoyed Rise of the Planet of the Apes, so I wasn't sure how this movie was going to hold up to that. But by the time the film ended, I ended up going like, wow. Like, my <laughs> mind was just blown away because of how great the film is, and and in my opinion, it's better than Rise. I I'll have to agree with you. Uh, when I got done with the film, I felt that it was a well thought out film, and uh, so I guess the uh, first question of the night was uh, for everyone: is we look at, and I'm going to bring it up now. Everybody's going to cringe. Transformers Four, and Transformers Four felt like they had a grand special effects, and then they wrote a story around the special effects. Would you say that Apes is one of those where it's trying to show off the effects, or did they actually come up with a story, and then they're using the effects as a tool to tell that story? Because there is a difference if you watch enough of these. Uh, which would you say, uh, Glenn, it was? Did they just show, come up with the Apes to show off the effects, or do you think that they did come up with the story first and that they weren't trying to show off the effects, they just had the effects shots that they needed to tell the story? I think it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this, the basic premise of the story was established, you know, what? I mean, how many years ago? 40-plus years ago sure. when you had the first Planet of the Apes movies. I mean, your, your basic premise is, is already there, and this is just, you know, playing off of that and playing off the, the movie from a few years ago. So, um, so I mean, I, I think some of it was, was effects for the sake of effects, but mm-hmm. not, not to a... Uh, detrimental level, where where it detracts from what they're trying to tell. It's not like a uh, what's his I, I can't remember his I can't remember his name. I, I dislike him so much. Um, Michael Bay, Avatar guy. Oh, James Cameron. James Cameron, where it's just the how pretty can we make this, and who cares what the story is as long as everything just makes you go ooh. <laughs> I, I want I want to watch a movie. I don't want to watch fireworks, and this was more of a movie than fireworks. All right, and uh, would you agree with that, Colin? That uh, that Apes was more than just a special effects spectacle, like some of our popcorn films in the past. Definitely. I mean, this was a movie that I felt like the CGI, I mean, the way that apes looked actually looked like you were watching this group of monkeys, you know, doing all these things, not just, oh, look at all this pretty stuff. There's no story. You felt a connection to the characters. You felt for Caesar and the monkeys and what they were going through. You felt for Koba and, you know, people that weren't exactly the nicest of characters, unlike Transformers, where every second I just want to get out of there. (laughs) <laughs> Don, uh, how about you? Uh, special effects, did you feel they were uh, the spectacle or were just used part of the story? I thought they were... Um, I didn't think they went overboard as far mm-hmm. as as far as being used just for spectacle. I thought that... Um, 
they were used appropriately. You know, obviously some places were gratuitous because you can't avoid it. But <laughs> for the most part, I didn't think it was overdone. And I didn't get motion sick, which is a good sign. Well, that, that's a good sign. Did you see it in the 2D or the 3D? I saw it in the 2D, but still sometimes. And and Andrew, uh, sure, what about you, sir? Uh, did you feel that it was a spectacle? Uh, well, no, they were actually, I felt kind of conservative with it because, uh, you know, look at some of the other ones like X-Men and Spider-Man and uh, I didn't see Transformers, but just based on having seen the other ones, um, you, you oftentimes with the CG scenes, you have these really uh, computery camera movements that go along with it, like, you know, cinematography, mm -hmm. but it's really just an animator taking hold of the camera. They they didn't really do that. They kept a lot of static shots the way that uh, they shoot Gollum in uh, in the Lord of the Rings movies, and so it added believability uh, to the motion capture stuff. And I I don't know for sure, but I don't think the Transformer robots are motion capture performances. I think they're just a cartoon. So that's a big difference when you're talking about CG. Oh, definitely. Uh, what about you, Tony? Do you agree that uh, the special effects they were decent uh, and they weren't used to too much to wow you, maybe a little, but... No, I, I really do think that this movie attempted at a storyline rather than being all, oh, look, kids, look, look at that, those are monkeys, look how pretty they are. I really do... <laughs> <laughs> look at the pretty monkey. <laughs> yeah, but I pretty much agree with what everyone just said. I really do think that the movie has more of a story obviously it has a it's very it's more of a character driven film with some action pieces into it and like the visual effects of course it's dawn of the planet of the apes so you can't have a movie called that without the apes the apes are obviously there to tell the story not to just while wow, you like the visual effects they're spectacular like they blew me away and the fact that it takes people in motion capture that is amazing but i mean like yeah they really it's, it really is just to tell the story overall, not to just wow you. So you can really tell that there was a lot of heart, there was a lot of passion in the film. So, yeah, definitely more a story, and I think it succeeded in every way. Did it uh, surprise anyone, and I'll just open this up to anyone can chime in, did it surprise anyone how much it actually focused, and I know it's called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but just how much it focused on the apes versus the humans? I mean, the humans little bit felt almost like a side note and all and in all honesty I could have watched probably more apes than humans <laughs> uh, but anyway uh, anyone go ahead uh, chime in uh, I think it was like a no go ahead Don go ahead I was gonna say based on the um, uh, earlier the original franchise I was surprised that there, there was even that much emphasis on the humans sure yeah uh, I, I I was gonna say I, I think uh, you know, this the whole believability of this story would hinge on uh, whether or not the audience would side with those characters or sympathize with those characters. So it shows a real confidence in their uh, in those effects uh, on the part of the filmmakers because, I mean, they, they'd have been dead in the water with this story because, you know, it's like scene after scene if you were looking at the script pages going like, no human here, no human here, no human here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the old series, as as it went on, the films just kept getting cheaper and cheaper because people weren't coming to them. And so, uh, you know, they weren't even going to try to do anything like that. But they still had um, a lot of stuff um, that was, you know, very balanced between a lot of scenes with a lot of apes in them. So uh, it was more of a surprise at just how much I wasn't thinking 
about the fact that they were apes at all <laughs> and just taking them as characters. That was the surprise. Mm-hmm. And I want to add, I think a big part of that is, is uh, going back to the CG, the amount of expression the apes had. Yeah, like the red eyes when they were upset and stuff. Or the red yeah, I just, I mean, you you could you could see what mood they were in without even having yeah. to hear them hear them talk just by the way that their face looked and their their body posture. Yeah, I mean that that add, that made them more characters than than just uh, a CG creation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it it almost felt like uh, the apes were more deeper of characters than the humans. Would you say that's true, Colin? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was. I yeah. I almost I almost sat there and go, I'll just watch apes sign at each other and and live their lives in the in the woods for, you know, two hours. I'll just Dude, watch wasn't this. it like the first ten or fifteen minutes was all in ape sign? There was no like human speech at all? Just about, it felt like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was the the opening scene where they're uh they're doing the hunt and it, that it had that scene from the trailer. And actually, it was the scene that I thought, out of all the special effects they had, probably looked the worst. <laughs> was was with when they were chasing the uh, was it the ant, the deer through yeah. the woods? Yeah, boy, that had to have been a uh, challenge, though. You know, because of, oh, I uh, imagine it. Oh, I having to do that. them uh, like having to do them in a wet environment in the rain and stuff. I mean, just you just having to animate hair, let alone hair that's wet. I mean, the, that that was must have been really yeah. tough to do. I heard it took could, two you weeks. You could definitely tell the deer was all CGI-ish, but it's not like anything yeah. that noticeable. What was the, it called? That uh, took two weeks for the animators to actually do all the CGI per monkey. Oh, oh god! So, but. Um, no, after like seeing Transformers and everything, it's like it was nice that the actual characters that are advertised were actually really focused on. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's nice. It's an apes movie that actually is about apes. Exactly. It's a concept. <laughs> Michael Bay, take notes. <laughs> and it's all like the movie is apes, so that yeah. this movie, yeah, has the humans, but does a great job yeah. of showing you enough apes for it to be called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Sure. And I mean, uh, and I know some people criticize how the human aspect could have been better. It's Godzilla 2014, pretty much in that sense. But I really thought the human aspect was just as strong as the apes. Yes, it's more fun to see the apes, but to be honest, if it weren't for the human aspect and how Caesar, uh, Caesar was starting to trust Jason Clark's character as the movie's progressing... I probably wouldn't love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as much because it wasn't just the ape side, but it was the human side that just fully, 100%, just sold me on the film. The bear in, in, in that scene, in the hunt scene, yeah. <laughs> to, compared to everything else in there, it's like they just said, oh, we forgot to do the bear. Um, <laughs> well, I've got a Skyrim mod. We can just throw that in there, and there's a bear from Skyrim. I thought the... Uh... The, the baby the monkey wasn't that great either. The Which one? Baby. Oh, the, ba- the baby monkey. Yeah. I guess the, but I, I guess they they couldn't get a mocap. Nobody wanted to let their baby be motion captured. So, you know. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> but uh, getting to what Tony said about the human aspect, the one thing I liked, and, and uh, I hope that other people caught it as well, was I thought they did a decent enough parallelism between the two tribes to where mm-hmm. you... You had very similar characters in both groups. 
I mean, do you think that's what they were going for? I mean, because, I mean, here you have Caesar and, you know, his human counterpart, and they're just trying to keep people calm, and then you got Koba, and you got the guy who uh, fired the first shot at the apes when he saw him. You know, I mean, it, it, it was pretty evident, I think, that they were trying to go for that parallelism between the apes and the humans, do you think? Uh, and, well, and uh, in terms of in terms of leadership between Caesar and Jason Clark's character, I could definitely see that because on both of their sides, all they're trying to do is to hopefully just try to find peace and you know protect their kind. So I really do see a parallel parallelism in terms of both of the groups. See, I actually think that while there is a little bit, I think the humans were almost cardboard cutout compared to the apes. I think the apes, you mm-hmm. had... The, there was there just seemed to be a lot more going on with them. You Actually, I think you got more actual feeling from the apes than you did from the humans. It's just, you know, the humans, you have you have good guy who wants peace. You have, you know, leader who wants to protect his people. you got pissed off guy. It's like, you know... And, <laughs> I mean, and, you know, with, with, like, with like Koba, you know, he's pissed off, but they show lots of the reasons, you know, when he's like, you know... Why human work, yeah. human work, you know, and when he, yeah. he, you get a lot more emotion of him just than the, I hate those damn apes, I'm going to sneak a gun in anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're kind of working toward the humans just becoming savages, you know, in this yeah. series. I mean, that's kind of the next step for them. This is their last hope of, uh, you know, their civilization, the human civilization is basically gone, so I, I, would, I would wager the next time we see them, they're going to be eating their own poop and throwing, you know, <laughs> rattling the cage. They're, they're, they're almost done with as far as characters in these movies are concerned. Well, did anyone also kind of get the feeling that we may not have exactly the brightest group of humans together <laughs> that have survived oh, this? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> they're just immune to the virus. They're not exactly survivalists. And then oh the virus was not selective as far as IQ goes. No. No, not. no. Colin, would you say that uh, the, the apes were definitely smarter than the humans? Oh, yeah. They... <laughs> what, what's new, though? What's new, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the point of the series, isn't it? You know? I yeah. think so. Yeah, uh, which uh, actually leads me to, uh, I asked everyone if they could, uh, and they didn't have to, but uh, if you had one question that you could present to the group uh, about the film, and I want to start with Don's, because I know Don's <laughs> is going to be interesting, and it leads right into us talking about the, the dumb humans versus the smart apes. Don, go ahead, why don't you present uh, the one thing you noticed uh, in your question, basically observation for the group to talk about. Okay, so right away at the beginning of the movie, I was in in decided it was already going to be a popcorn movie, and the humans are going to look for the hydroelectric place to get that started because it's their only hope of having electricity to to regain human society. And my first thought is really. In the entire San Francisco, greater San Francisco area, there is nobody who's ever heard of solar power. <laughs> well, not, you I know, mean, San Francisco yeah. is known as like a, you know, a city with hippies and stuff like that who care about. Oh wait, <laughs> they all were. They are all against vaccination. So. <laughs> but I, they died first. Once once I got over, I mean, once I got over that and realized, okay, so we're dealing with a a group of stupid people who've never heard of solar power, 
okay, now I can move on. So that that was yeah, really I mean, San Francisco. <laughs> solar power. There has to be at least a house that, that runs on solar power. Somewhere in San Francisco. <laughs> what, but they what, have what, iPads. But they do Gary have iPads. Oldman was using an iPad. Gary Oldman was using an iPad, yes. Well, and uh, that and they obviously didn't do research on the San Francisco area because one of the largest manufacturers of solar panels is based on the San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Were they really hiding out in the right Cerrone factory? Yeah. <laughs> what about Colin? You or Tony? What, what do you think? You think uh, having that power plant as the plot point? Uh, you know, without them looking for alternative power sources, uh, you know, was that a little far-fetched for you guys? No, nah, to be honest, not really. Like, I don't know, maybe I was just so into the movie, into the storyline, the characters, that I probably didn't pick apart those things. So to me, it's just like, eh, no big deal. What about you, Colin? <laughs> You know, I mean, I think it works well enough to where it's like, okay, that makes sense, and it's, you know, it's not super crazy, though. That would have been kind of funny to see them try to do solar power energy and have the monkeys just watch them thinking they're insane. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, sun? Sun energy? Okay. At least the film didn't end with apes and humans singing a musical together. <laughs> Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Here's a twist. Oh they go to look for solar power energy. They find transforming metal and find diamond <laughs> Oh, wow. The transforming, metals guarded by, transforming metals guarded by mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles. There you go. We've, we've oh, linked all our popcorn films together. Hey, I just have to ask this. How would you guys feel about a Planet of the Apes Transformers crossover? Oh god, don't even, don't even. I feel like the there, apes man. would actually win. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Bay surrounding Transformers, the apes would take them down. Well, back back to Don's Don's thing. Um, that's actually something that came up today. I was talking to a friend of mine who saw it uh, Friday, and I I had the same problem with it. It's like really, that's the only. I, I guess they just had to have it in there for. You know, for them to have some kind of conflict, and my friend exactly. Like, he's like, uh, "Well, yeah. I mean, can you think what other reason would they have for going up there?" I'm like, um, "It's been how long since since everything fell apart? Maybe they're going up there for food." Yeah, fuel. Yep. There was a gas station. You never know that fuel. Just, you know, my my first thought would have been they're they're in, they're going up there because what is there to hunt in the city? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's slowly being reclaimed, but most of you know. Going up there to hunt, but or looking for other survivors. It it still it's it serves its purpose, and this is one of the things that I have to not think about. Right. Mm -hmm. I have I have to take the movie as a popcorn flick where right. yes, you still have they're still doing some of the whole socio commentary type stuff, but <sighs> it's like. To, to do to do a correlation to another movie that that's out right now is Snowpiercer. Mm -hmm. If you try to if you try to focus on what's actually happening, there's way too many plot holes. Yeah. This movie this movie has mm -hmm. it's it's a Swiss cheese film when it comes mm -hmm. to plot holes, and you have to take that and say I'm gonna eat cheese later. And right now I'm gonna eat pop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't think 
I guess, yeah, I guess I can see the plot holes. For me, though, I will say that I think they didn't cut as many corners as you might see in a popcorn effects film like this with the story. I mean, let's face it, they they really could have, as much as you, like you said, Don, you know, with the with the solar power and that, there are moments in this film where you could see them actually going a very even simpler lowest common denomination route, and they at least went up a little bit in the denominator to where they, they didn't go quite so lazy with it. You know, I mean, they especially did near try, the end. just not they quite tried. hard enough. Right. No, I mean, you, you can tell they did try. They tried harder than I would think most of your summer blockbuster films like this. They tried to give a more complete, fleshed-out story than going for the lowest common denominator of, okay, apes good, humans bad, uh, fight, you know, I mean, they, they tried to put a little more meat in there, not a lot, but they, they did put some, like, especially at the end. I will say it surprised me that they actually had Oldman pull the trigger on the bombs with the buddies there. I thought for sure they were going to do some silly thing of, you know, the guy, uh, our hero with the gun getting tackled or something, you know, I, I th- there's a number of different ways they could have gone that route, and instead, no, he just pulls the trigger and blows them all uh, blow, blows each other up, and uh, I thought that was a little bit of a surprise with the character and that situation because I've seen other films where have gone a different route with it, could have stretched it out for another five minutes before someone pulls the trigger for blowing up the explosives. Uh, I, do, do you feel uh, that way, that maybe they, they were trying at least to give a little more solid of a film than go for the lowest common denominator like a lot of summer blockbuster films do? Yeah, I mean, I think that they knew that this was something, this is a franchise that, you know, it's been around for so many years and it's gone through so much. It survived Tim Burton. It's just, it's gone through a lot of stuff. And I think that, you know, it's <laughs> make a good story. They're like, okay, you know, we don't want to be Transformers Age of Extinction, guys. we that's right. just, we don't want to be that. As long as we're not that, we're good. And, you know, I did, yeah, I mean, Gary Oldman's character and everything, I liked how, you know, it wasn't necessarily he was super evil. He legitimately thought what he was doing was right versus, you know, just, oh, I'm bad to be bad. And so it was interesting to see how they tried to take a story to the next level. What about uh, anyone else want to chime in? Do you think the, the, the story is at least above, a little bit above what your normal uh, blockbuster storyline, what it goes for? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree that the effort was put into the story 100%. And usually when there's little plot holes, I always think about it this way. It's all like when you try to put so much effort into a script, you know, and with those many pages of dialogue and all that stuff, it's kind of hard to fully 100% connect all the holes that it has. So as long as the holes aren't noticeable like me, I didn't notice any plot holes, to be honest. So sure. I'm sure as long as as long as long you write very well, you take your time, and you just, you just make sure you have a very great script, I think that's all that really matters. Well, that, that, that's actually a point we can bring up to our, our two filmmakers, Glenn and, and Andrew. Uh, we'll, let's start with Andrew. Uh do you think that sometimes the plot holes show up because of uh, either lack of time or, or resources or, uh, you know, where they maybe tried to do more with it but they had to cut things out? Well, I mean, the, you, um, you know, in the, when you're writing a script, you have your what you call the controlling idea. 
you know, and you've got, you know, what you want to say with it ultimately, like what is your point? Mm -hmm. And everything that happens from A to B to C is just kind of with that thing in mind. You know, think about it, uh, like uh, when I was learning to drive a car, uh, I had this Oldsmobile and it had this giant hood ornament in the front. And uh, the, the, my, my dad was like, okay, keep that thing aimed right here in the, in the corner of the road and you'll stay straight, you'll stay in your lane. And I kind of think about that still when I write scripts. I'm like, okay, this is my hood ornament, my controlling ideas are As long as I keep aimed this way, I'm not going to veer off and crash. So there are things that are the main point, and then there are things that just kind of taper off, and you're like, all right, if I focus too much on this this water power thing and put too much detail and effort into it, these guys are going to fly off in this other direction. I need to – who cares, really, ultimately? This is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, not Dawn of the Power Plant. I don't care. I really don't care. I mean, if you if you got them sure. all concerned about that, you screwed up with the apes. Go back, tear it up, sure. start over. What about you, Glenn? Anything to add to, about plot holes working their way into your script because of time or restraint or just for the sake of entertainment? I mean, I don't think my movies have a ton of plot holes because my movies aren't long enough for much of a plot to develop. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that that might be why I do shorts. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I can kind of see what, what what Andrew's talking about in that you've got something you're focusing on, and you well, I mean, you can only focus on so much. Right. You've got a limited time. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I was speak, speaking as a you know, having made a feature, I mean, our first cut uh, with without having shot Act Three yet was two and a half hours, and it's because I lost myself and I lost myself in details and backstory and each character's story, and we shot like you know, eight hours worth of stuff, and we're like, at a certain moment, we started putting, we're like, wait a second here, you know, we need to, the focus got to be somewhere, we've got to give these people a direction to go in, mm -hmm. and other things just sort of fall off, and somebody watching it would go like, wait a minute, what happened, to, what about photos, like, whoa, dude, come on, did I lose you? <laughs> I lost you, I lost you, I screwed up the main point, because this guy's thinking about the refrigerator. <laughs> I never put in that thing about the refrigerator. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple. All right. So, uh, Colin, were you able to come up with a question for the group about the film at all or something you wanted possibly to talk about? What I was trying to think about, and this is kind of a weird question, is why do you think that it's called, you know, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Why do you think they try to focus mainly on chimpanzees and not have, you know, more of the other types of monkeys? Do you, do you think it's because chimpanzees are primarily closer related to us than other monkeys, or what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's because when they were doing the experimentations on the monkeys in the previous movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they were primarily focusing on the chimpanzees and experimenting on the chimpanzees because they're closer to humans. Therefore, it was natural progression in the story. What about the rest of you guys? You th you think that's that's the case, or yeah, I agree. I agree because uh, you know I agree with what Don said, honestly. Yeah, yeah, they um, they have usually the, you know traditionally in the apes movies the gorillas are the warlike ones, so they're kind of a a, a, a more of a, a broad stroke uh, character group, mm -hmm. and then uh, um, you know the um, the orangutans are kind of the the servant ones or whatever, or the scientist ones. They're kind of the techies, and then you've got uh, the chimps are always kind of like the the liberals, you know. They're kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or, or not if the liberals, just the, the more the more organized ones. It's always the focus has always been on the chimpanzee, and I don't know if that just started because that makeup was easier to talk through. But for some reason, that was the way it kind of always panned out in the series. So I think they were just kind of sticking to um, the traditions of uh, Planet of the Apes movies by doing that. Sure, and that actually, the the actual gorillas in this one, for the most part, were not as not like they were in, in the originals where they were, you know, the, the big warrior type. No. If you look at like some of the major fight scenes, I mean the one where they're storming where they're storming the city, the gorilla's actually the one pulling people out of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was an interesting little little change they did there where you know the gorillas were not the go kill them all. It was there was more of the chimps than any, anyone else. That was all Well they they blew the gorilla wad in Rise of the Planet of the Apes with that helicopter scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no kidding. That guy that hooked that it up, awesome. right? That part was like crazy, and then he's dying, you know. And that, oh man, I was like, "What?" The question is, where's King Kong and all this? You know? Where's King Kong? <laughs> he took down the helicopter, so he got to retire. Yeah, <laughs> he killed the last helicopter of the human race. That was awesome, man. You remember? That was awesome. Yeah, that was the most epic scene. That was, that was an epic scene. But you're right. I would love to see. I would love to see King Kong just jump out of nowhere and stomp on Cobra. <laughs> you are right, though. The gorillas in this one, and you know what? That's what I liked how they portrayed it. Is you really, you got different levels of apes with their different education, but they didn't exactly portray the gorillas like they could have as kind of your bigger, kind of dumb warrior the military monkey. guys. Yeah, yeah. They they actually kind of for what screen time they had, which I think they should have had more. Uh, they they actually I mean they were guard guys but they actually portrayed them I think with the least more intelligence than I expected out of you know what you would see out of your gorilla. Yeah, uh, I mean I, if, I, if, they, if they had been more like the old ones, I mean, how do you sign a road? Do you even lift? Yeah, how do you sign that? that be more like... <laughs> Maybe it was guerrilla activist groups. They didn't want to be painted in a bad light. <laughs> well, that and I think um okay getting into the original uh franchise with their strong uh, sociopolitical emphasis on on totalitarianism and uh, racism, classism, and segregation. I think that in the new movies, they really moved away from that and started mm -hmm. uh, focusing on the modern hot topics, like um, the, the <laughs> vaccination issues and uh, mm -hmm. animal rights and, and other things that are more modern, um, because I think that, quite frankly, I think that society believes we've moved away from racism and classism, and yet we haven't. No, no, but you're right. The film did feel a little bit the the tribe, at least of the apes, didn't quite feel so segregated as it did in the older ones. Yes, um, there wasn't exactly a class system in it. Now we might see that later on with the events of this film affecting what has happened. You might see that later in the next films, but it, it did feel like they were more like just one tribe, all trying to just help each other out in this one versus a different class system among the apes and among the humans, too. So it was basically more just uh, species against species, I think, as far as statement there. But, yeah, and, and there was a statement on guns as well. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> on there, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the chimpanzees, though, uh, usually are associated more as humans, and I think they picked that one with the franchise. But, two, even though you're dealing with 
apes, I think they go that route because they do look similar to humans out of all the apes. They're quite similar, and so it's a little bit easier for people to grasp maybe uh, you know, the emotions and, and things and attach themselves to the chimpanzee. You know, it, it much like uh, a lot of audiences, if you look at a completely alien film in sci-fi and you have your main character as an alien who doesn't have the normal expressions, no matter how good you write that character, I think, and, and I might be wrong, and you can tell me I'm wrong, but I think you're going to lose some of your audience. Your audience isn't going to connect just for the sheer sake of it's too alien and not quite human enough for them to connect. Whereas when you pick chimpanzees, very human-like, a lot easier for your audience to connect maybe or accept the way those characters are than say maybe having the entire tribe of orangutans which looked a lot more like, like a bicycle do. seat yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah a great question Colin definitely uh, I think uh, I think they I would think they went that route partly because to stay with the franchise and partly because uh, it does help your audience connect a little bit better with your characters that you're trying to sell, and the fact that you're going to have subtitles in your film, and my God, people can't read, you know, movies. Oh, <laughs> can't have that. <laughs> well, I, just came with the, I just came up with the theory about what you guys are saying. I think the next film after, you know, between the events of this film and the next film, there probably will be more of the class system because they're getting ready to basically go into battle now. Right. And so... That will be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, be interesting. What are we going to get? War of the Planet of the Apes? You know, <laughs> or or, uh, ba- or Battle of the Planet of the Apes? Battle of the Planet of the Apes. There you go. And what about uh, you, Tony? Uh, what about? Did you have a question for the group? Um, uh, honestly, I'm still trying to think of one. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, Andrew, what about you, sir? Did you have anything uh, specific in the movie you maybe want to talk about or, or a question? Oh, sure. Um, I, um, you know, being a fan of the, the Apes franchise, I, I, um, you know, when they called Rise of the Planet of the Apes uh, reboot, I was like, well, what, so that other stuff didn't happen now? Or they, but I understood why they wanted to do that. So at first I was like, well, it's prequel, but it's also starting way before... Mm-hmm. And uh, I did notice that they uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes did still took some stuff from uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. So really, I feel like uh, Rise and Dawn are kind of like the four and five of mm-hmm. the of the other series. And I think no more is that evident than uh, the stuff with uh, Caesar, Koba, and uh, Caesar's son in Dawn kind of mirrored some of the events in Battle of the Planet of the Apes. I want to know if anybody else uh, picked up on some of that stuff. Because there are some oh. things that are like almost directly taken scenes, almost exact scenes are directly taken from it. Absolutely, um, I especially like the uh, what was the line he said where it said uh, was it Tacoba where uh, you belong in a cage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's that scene in the one movie where he the general looks and he sees that the gorilla in the cage. Yep, and I, I I'm like in just little things I picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, I I think I think they were kind of nods to the to the you know hey. There was shit before this. Yeah, it was very cool. And, you know, um, at one point in battle, uh, Caesar's son overhears um, Aldo, which is kind of the the, um, the Koba analog in the new one, uh, planning to do the, the takeover stuff. And when he right. hears him, you know, and Aldo sees him and he cuts him out of the tree, Caesar's son falls and eventually dies. But before he uh, dies, he lets Caesar know that 
a human didn't do this to me. It was Abe that did it. And he's lying there on his deathbed. And so, and, and on the Planet of the Apes, there's Caesar laying there telling him what happened, just in case he doesn't live. Of course he does. Um, and his, you know, his son's standing there. But it's, it was just, it was a neat little uh, mirror of that. And I thought it was really cool. So they're not, uh, I just want to know if anybody else, any of the ape nerds noticed that. Anyone else familiar enough with the series? As I, long I'll... as there was one of you, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked uh, what they did with the orangutan. I don't remember a whole lot from the original series, but I thought they handled Maurice's character very well. Uh, look great you know, too. Sim- similar to the Maurice character in in you know the original series because I always liked him the best. In all honesty, I always liked the orangutans. Yeah. Uh, so, and I thought it had a really great little sweet scene between uh, the you know Maurice and uh, our hero's kid, and and I really liked that scene with the book. And that you know. Oh well, I, he was reading uh, Black Hole. That's a pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I know. I got that yeah. Black it's Hole. Like, dude, don't let him read that one. Not that one. <laughs> That's gonna mess up the whole ape civilization. <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree. The orangutan, the orangutan was one of the best parts about the film. I love the sounds that he made. He sounds so cool. He looks yeah. so realistic. There's the part where he's kind of in the in the foreground, out of focus, and you see some other action, like he's observing stuff. And man, the the fur, I was just like, dude, that <laughs> I I can't stand CGI like on principle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just one of those old school people. So for me to have to go, damn, that's good. <laughs> it sucks. <It's... laughs> but it was really good because I, you know, a lot of people hate the Tim Burton one, but the the makeup of I'll, I'll throw that on just to watch all that Rick Baker makeup, man. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's in, I, I you watching and you're like, damn. I know people hate this movie, but damn, the makeups are great. You yeah. Know, and on the Blu-ray, they don't. The Blu-ray doesn't even have the special features that that two-disc DVD set mm-hmm. did. So you can tell that movie's just gonna. They're really wanting to bury it, but that's not fair because that's the best thing about that movie is those makeup effects. They should not even have the movie. It should just be the making of on that Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> It <laughs> was a lot more interesting, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I really enjoyed the Maurice character. I wanted to actually see more Maurice. I'm hoping maybe in the next one we get a little bit more, and I think you will. Uh, maybe he'll but, be the space cowboy. Some people will call him. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 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 or gangster of love. Gangster of love. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Maybe we'll just great. call him Maurice. We'll just yeah, Maurice. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> so okay, and uh, anybody else want to chime in with uh, uh, with uh, Andrew if they're familiar enough with the series, they see any other parallels? I'll say the music. Oh um, yeah, I thought the music. I know some people oh, had complaints about the, the. Some people had complaints about the music, but to me, I thought it really harkened back to the <laughs> original Apes score. Parts of it. Uh, you know when they just had apes, like when they're uh, when they're first approaching the human tr- uh, camp, the very first time where they're crawling up onto the the buildings and everything. The the music score for that really felt like he was giving a little nod to the uh, original score. Yes. You know it 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 definitely kind of had that feel, and I liked it because it gave it a little more primitive feel than than your modern soundtrack would maybe give it. So the fact that they went a little more simple with some of the score on it, uh, I thought was a really a nice touch. Glenn, what about you, sir? You have a question or a, a, a theme or something that you'd like us to talk about? 
He pulls out a whole list. <laughs> I, uh, I how, how many how many bullets does a gun hold? <laughs> no. All of them. Um, especially if you're John Wu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reload when convenient. You know. See, a lot of my questions it, it it's it's nitpicky stuff on on just things that the way that things happen, but um. Uh, an actual, like, real question that's actually contributes to the conversation other than just an old man bitching. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. I, you know, hey, um, Mark, I have a question. It was one of my biggest gripes was was on, Tony. the the opening scene with the hunt. Okay. The the apes. With the exception of when Koba saves uh, Caesar's life, the apes seem almost incompetent with spears. That hunt was so <laughs> disorganized and, and so poorly executed. And then the end of the movie, they're just firing machine guns with really good accuracy. <laughs> that was one of the things about I, I I wanted apes just pounding the shit out of people. I didn't want them just all of a sudden just being like, "Hey, we're all good," you know. You know, like Koba maybe having the gun, fine, but I wanted the rest of them just to swing in there with their with their spears and just their, you know, the fact that chimps are just freakishly strong and just beating people. So kind of like Ewoks, but but pissed off. Pissed off Ewoks. <laughs> if if you you know if if Ewoks had been Wookies, gotcha. Where you know that they could actually do that, and I wanted it to be less of just this. You turn it into this massive gunfight, mm-hmm. but I guess my. I don't know. No, I, I, I get know. what you're saying. Uh, so, some of my questions is the did okay. This this is it's a nitpicky thing, but it's also something I want to see if anyone else noticed. This is they noticed. Most noticed that as the movie progressed, the ape population seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> I actually kind of noticed that to be honest. I'm like, dang, those are those are twice as more apes than we saw when the movie opened. I don't know that initial hunting scene there seemed to be a really lot of apes. And I was wondering where they disappeared to for a while. <laughs> well, I think, though, if you look at the village, the the one shot of the village, I mean, they took over not only one whole side of that uh, the valley, but they're on the other side as well. And, and they don't seem to... They didn't seem to have any uh, concept of personal space yet. So, you know, maybe they're just all laying together and you just think it's see all. <laughs> Um, I think they know, got really just... excited, and a lot of them screwed in the beginning of the movie, and so <laughs> over time, you... yeah, they they could show that, right? <laughs> it was the ape boom, not unlike the uh, the baby boom. I, I will say the the apes. I, I I can see where you're coming from, Glenn, because the the whole ape battle at the end. I almost wanted to see them do more like ape ninja type stuff. Not not special, but. They're, no, here, hold on, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, they've got the guns and everything, and they're, they're, but they're rushing forward against, here we have, now I know not all of them were smart, but they could follow a leader, and he had smart leaders, but their plan was just to rush forward to the humans, knowing the humans had guns as well, and just yes. hope that they could overpower them by numbers, when up until that point, the apes have been pretty smart about everything they've gone yes. about doing. When, and when then, Koba finally does the go up, I was like, finally. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, it took them a while before they went up, and I'm looking at this going, this is a very large city. They didn't necessarily have to go down the one road. They could have snuck in from all sides. So, so you don't think they were just trying to say the guns make you stupid? Well, <laughs> I think the filmmakers were going for a statement with the guns, yes. That, oh, definitely. That they were they were relying so heavily on guns that they totally tossed well, their Because, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about commentary, I mean, people are so quick to, sure. to, to pick up the gun and aim it at somebody rather than try to solve a problem realistically, you know? That, so that, that, I would give them credit for point. maybe... Maybe that was what they were trying to do there, because you know it's like in Caesar Stand, they were like, "No, man, this ain't what I'm talking about. Come on, no, no." They're like, "Guns, duh. guns, guns! I got a gun, I can shoot." I mean, yeah, it's like you know, it's like they they have that one video game shot of the uh, of the tank when you're inside mm-hmm. the tank, just like, you know, I mean, I mean, that's, I just, they just lost it at that point. I I just thought that maybe I, I see where guns come from, where they may have gone a more of their own instinct approach rather than run forward as a whole group. But they could, like Andrew said, they could be going with guns made them stupid. They decided to rely on the guns and figured Well, they're, that they're getting more human-like. They're losing their apehood, right. so therefore they're, they're becoming like idiot people. <laughs> maybe. What do you think? <laughs> what what do you think? Do you think maybe that's what the filmmakers were going for on that? Or... Uh, you know, they could have approached it a couple different ways. They are apes. They know how to, you know, attack their prey and more than just run forward at it. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it just, it was, it was too quick of a progression to the, it's like, it's as if they picked the gun up and their brain just fell out of their head. <laughs> and... <laughs> Caesar knew, man. He's like, you know, we're all gonna. A lot of y'all are gonna die if we have a war. So I don't want you to, because you're just gonna sure. turn into a bunch of monkeys. Here we're civilized. <laughs> we're progressing. Get out in war, and you're you're a bunch of Rambo fives. Uh, you you got an opinion on that, Colin, at all? <laughs> I think two things. One, I think we probably just missed some big eighties action, you know, training montage scene with the guns. Or <laughs> but um, I do think though that there is, you know, like Caesar says, apes follow the strongest person. They don't necessarily think about, you know, who are we gonna, you know, who's the smartest? What's the best strategy to go for? And that, yeah, you know, they are going for, you know, guns make you stupid. But I think the whole thing was that Koba represents just the savagery of mankind and how when man wants to destroy something. They will go for it, not thinking about it realistically and how it's going to impact everybody. And where Caesar, he's more of, if you do this, then this will follow. This will happen because of it. And it is the smartest one, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I do actually have a question. Oh, and Glenn's got a... Okay, Glenn. That isn't entirely a nitpicky thing. Okay. <laughs> and this this does not just apply to movies. More. This applies to this applies to a lot of movies. Okay. We're gonna go negotiate with the apes. But you gotta take along the one guy who is most likely to sabotage that negotiation <laughs> because we need him to fix the power plant, even though as the story proved, they didn't need him at all to fix the power plant. <laughs> yeah, the, taking That's the guy true. who shot the ape was probably not the best strategy on the human's part. The guy who shot the ape and pretty much said in that meeting, I want to I blame the apes for everything. The apes are the problem. The apes are the new Obama. 
They caught that. <laughs> Thanks, Apes. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Do you, are you looking for answers here, Glenn? <laughs> I, 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 I have to know, say, I it's, know, it's the. Did, did, I mean, does anyone else notice this recurring theme of, of they? They just they. It's like they have to force this uh, conflict. They got to conf- force the conflict. They, they, yeah, but I mean, that's that's the that's the uh, it's, conflict is essence of story, man. And you know, it's just I like know, Sam Raimi says but about it's, a. But it's, about it's, the, it's so telegraphed that you know. You know, at the second they say you're taking this guy, it's like, well, that's that's what it's going to be. It's going to be him. Yeah, but you're, now, you're if also they, doing. If, if they had taken him, and it was something else, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be fine with it. But the thing is, there are so many things they could have done without saying, take asshole guy who you know is going to break. <laughs> I, I have to do? admit, though, He's an asshole I wanted... and he breaks the rules. It's true, but I wanted to see something bad happen to that guy. So they can't oh, so did I. Oh, yeah, I, wanted to, I wanted something bad to happen to I wanted to see something bad happen to that guy in every movie he's in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's just that it was It was cause and effect for that character. You know, if they showed, they showed him at the beginning, point, pulled the gun, so there's got to be resolution for that guy later on. Otherwise, what's the point in having him? You know, the, yeah. well, that, would be, that would be extraneous information. So I, had plus, you know. Could have had Rocket that, kill him. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's the kind of the nature of the beast. You got to have the stuff in there that makes the audience be filled with dread and an- anticipation. You got to amp up that anxiety at every every possible moment. So I or think even, even better have Rocket come across him at the rate of the city and Rocket actually spare him, showing that the ape has more compassion than the human. And, and then, then when have he, the when he walks away, have some other random chimp shoot him. <laughs> 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 no, I thought this scary. Much thought, Glenn. <laughs> no, I thought it was. I thought that was you know, really scary uh, with the baby going over to the uh, lockbox that had the gun that oh, they weren't yeah. supposed to yeah. have. I, oh, I feel yeah. like that yeah. kind of was why that guy was set up to be for that particular scene because uh, that to me I was like shit they went there about children and guns you know I, I couldn't believe that they went that far like people were scared for that baby you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I think that, that might have been. That scene was actually a bit intense, which surprised me because I didn't expect the scene. You know, I didn't expect it to go quite that way. So like I mean, you that said, was almost that was almost ripped from the headlines. You know, so yeah. I really think that might have been why they kept that guy around for that particular scene, which was very strong. <laughs> Again, very so, very modern sociopolitical overtones. Yeah, yeah it really was. I think the film wanted to really take some risk when they were writing it. At least a little bit, because that's what the original, you know, kind of did, making its statements. So, yeah. Uh, oh God, yeah. Like those the old old plan of the apes were around the black exploitation movie times, and the yeah. you know, like think about all the stuff that was going on uh, around that time. That's they're really kind of reflective of the era that they were made in. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't. Really... I think more of my anger is directed at the fact that the average movie-going public is really stupid. So they really do have to. They are. They really I are. I don't. I don't think they're. I don't. I just. They don't. They don't watch as many. They don't watch as many movies as we do. It's not that they're stupid. It's it's that they're. They've been they've been fed so much crap, that they they need to have it fed to them. Otherwise, they're not going to get it because they don't get the complex stuff for the most part. Well, and they're not going because, there. Because, they're not going they're not, there for it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, but it's the fact that they have to. The foreshadowing has to be, it can't be foreshadowing, it has to be for back to the face. 
right. know, of, of what's going to happen next. Because otherwise, people are going to go, "Well, wait a minute, what? Why? Why? Why did they kill that guy?" You know, because yeah. it's like, really, because of what he didn't see in, 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 in Act Two. What are you talking about? Really? How do you? Instead, you have so. to have the you have to have the guy go. I'm going to kill you, and then in Act Three, he killed him. So it's like you know, you have have that, it has to be spelled out for a lot of people, and that's what what makes me mad is that. So many movies have lost. There's there's less subtlety in movies yeah. where everything has to be a bit more obvious because you need the box office. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna make the money, you gotta you know you have to you have to appeal to a broader group, and the broader group is used to having those things given to them. They don't have to work for anything, and it's 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 been for a long time. It's been the movies are your mass movies are not something you have to work for. It's just something you go in. You're 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 given your steak. You eat it. You leave, and it's not the you know, I have to cook my steak. What? <laughs> so you know, I mean, if if movies were if movies were food, you know, and a lot of movies I like, people would starve to death. Yeah, I I think we'd see them more the movies you're talking about if people wanted them, but they don't. Uh, yeah. Because they you speak with your wallet, and uh, they've definitely spoken time and a t- time and time Smart. again. I know, and it's Smart or Smart or different movies or creative movies usually do suffer at the box office. I'm going to put one out there, uh, a, a little bit side topic, I know, but uh, for me, there's a film that most people hated, and it was called Cloud Atlas. And oh, I me, love that movie. And for me, it was like the biggest budgeted independent film ever because of the way it was directed, handled, and written, but people didn't like it. One, for the three-hour, but the other, you kind of had to pay attention to the film in order to follow everything that's going on, because there were like six different storylines. So, so I get what you're saying, Glenn. Yeah, it, it. I think the movie audience. I don't think Hollywood has been fair to the movie audience, uh, and it the, many movies do suffer. But I felt Apes at least a little bit was trying to give at least a little bit more and a little bit more thought than spoon feeding, though there was still some of that in the film. Oh yeah, they they, they definitely they definitely still had a story and they had a plot that they for the most part stuck to. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't, you know, they didn't just go and random explosions. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> more uh, balls, you know, they didn't have yeah, there's a lot more space in it too between action sequences oh, yeah. and things like yes. happening than than your average uh because you know I do I do reviews professionally for the last 5 years and yeah. I do go see a lot of that stuff and so it's real easy for me to compare this against some of the other ones I've you know, had to go watch. So I, I really think I was surprised at the amount of like it's a, it's a lot of character development. Uh, there's a huge oh, there's a lot of character, character yeah. development in this one. I'm sorry yeah. I laughed, but it sounded like you were like some of the movies that you are forced to watch is just torture for you. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's not that. It's just uh, you see so many of them in a row, uh, you start to forget which one did what, what and yeah. you know, especially exactly. it just it's it's kind of and. You know, I yeah, it 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 gets a little confusing sometimes. <laughs> it gets torturous, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Tony, uh, you said you finally have a question, sir, uh, that you'd like to ask. Um, oh yeah, um, this popped in my head for some reason, but um, why do you think they went with the direction of not having James Franco in the sequel? Oh, well, I. That's a good question. You you would have thought maybe they would have worked it in that he happened to be immune, but I think maybe they didn't do that because it would have seemed too coincidental. Oh, the guy who was working closest with this stuff just happens to also be immune. Maybe. I, I, 
I think it would have given them too much of an in with uh, Caesar as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you just don't want a big star screwing up the whole putting the humans aside thing, you know? <laughs> that too. I think that too is probably part of it. Mm-hmm. Also, just the fact that it's like, we have to negotiate with the apes. Oh, yeah, I know Caesar. <laughs> I've raised him. It, it, it loses a lot of that tension. Yeah, we, we go happen. see each other every so often. Because, yeah. because, and also selfies. because if James Franco had been there and they had said, you're taking asshole, he's like, I'm not taking asshole. He shot my <laughs> <laughs> But you know he's probably still alive, though, because he's in some hyperbaric chamber from getting all the money he uh, got from inventing the camcorder that the battery lasts 10 years. <laughs> I, was, I was actually questioning that. How did that video camera even show when you first see it? You can see the, the cord. It's plugged in. It's still plugged in. It, it charged awesome. because they got the hydro. Because that's the first thing I, I when he, when I saw the camcorder and I heard it click like power on. I'm like, really? And then I when he picked it up, you just get a, a quick glimpse of the cord still attached. Yes. We should just so be like, all okay. glad that that it wasn't a, okay. all a found footage movie. <laughs> <laughs> All shot by Caesar. <laughs> Close-ups of bananas. The part that got me is that is that Gary Oldman still had his iPad plugged in, like waiting for the power to come back on. We'd case, all be doing that. I'm gonna have this yeah. sitting here, ten Just years with the iPhone, staring at it. Speaking That'll be the cult that they find in the next one. Yeah, it'll be like this underground group of people waiting for Wi-Fi instead of. The <laughs> They're all pale, you know, white corneas. Someday the Wi-Fi will come. (laughs) (laughs) Just to sing, someday my Wi-Fi will come. (laughs) I wonder what the humans and the apes even eat anyways. I noticed there hasn't even been a scene where they even eat them. Well, you know, I didn't mind that because... uh, (sighs) That would have taken away from the story. That wasn't really the... The way they establish it, they're successful enough, I think, to where you can assume they figured out some way to eat something. You you know, they could have have thrown that in there, but I think... They ate James Franco. They ate James Franco. (laughs) There you go. Question and answer for 10 years, they freeze-dried James Franco. (laughs) Franco-American. He was made of meatballs. Oh, man. Right away. Oh, man. Wow. Coba ate James Franco and he never told oh. Susan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of Gary Oldman, did anybody else think that was a huge waste of talent? Oh yeah. That did not need to be Gary Oldman. Oh my god. I don't think they needed Gary Oldman in that role. At all, I think I think they pulled them in because of the name. Don't get me wrong, I love Gary Oldman. I'll, I'll see him in anything. I, I, I let's just, let's get a guy who's gonna stick his foot in his mouth in an interview right before the movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like he had more of a purpose in RoboCop than in this film. Yeah, he. Did. That's true. That's true. He was he was awesome in RoboCop. Would you say, Colin, that the uh, he was wasted in this film? <laughs> Overall, yes. I haven't seen the new RoboCop yet, so now I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I I did it. I I gave it a good review actually. I was I, quite I, disturbed by the new Robocop. It was like nightmarish. I hope I kids almost, don't see that. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to say he's wasted. Like, yeah, the film would be no different if he wasn't in it, but in it, but 
I think for what he was given for the film, I thought he did a really good job at it. It was star power, like the one instance of star yeah. power. Well, and when we think about it, if if um he wasn't in the film, that bomb wouldn't have exploded at the end. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So he's like I, Indiana Jones. It would have all still happened without him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, with the big star, it gives you reason to think they won't blow him up. <laughs> well, well, that's what kind of surprised me at the end with him. But I, well, I think also well, the wasn't that, it obviously wasn't that big a bomb because the other human survived standing ten feet away from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he got knocked into the trench and the flames went yeah, over yeah, him. Yeah, because that's how it. That's how it works. <laughs> you guys notice way more stuff than me. I must see way too many movies. I don't even oh, remember I, I that. See, I see a lot of movies, too. Let's not see I don't movies. know. I, I, don't I, know I guess I just don't details. like to pick apart too much of <laughs> Yeah, I must not hey. see a lot of movies because I'm not noticing half this stuff until now. <laughs> oh, great. We're just ruining the movie for Kaka. I was like, oh, oh wait no. a minute. Next oh, time. Gosh, oh, there's that cord. Uh, yeah. I saw like Don the Pie the Apes worst movie ever. Now thanks a lot. <laughs> no, I, I think I think they put Gary Oldman in there for like the the way you get him in some of these other movies where they could have gone without him, but out of let's just face it, out of the collection of other actors they had in the human cast, Gary Oldman will probably be the biggest name and the most common name out of that whole group, in all honesty. I mean, we watch enough films so you recognize the other names, but if you want a name on the poster to get someone interested, you get at least one veteran actor or character in there to help kind of ground the cast enough so people will be interested enough. Because if you had all these other names up there and not a really identifiable name... You, you lose your, the people really won't get into the humans. I mean, humans are a side note anyway. At least with Gary Oldman in there, the humans are a little more interesting uh, because it's yeah. Gary Oldman. You're sitting there watching Gary Oldman going, he's he's eaten every scene he's in, whatever little scene he's in. I mean, you know, I, I mean, he, he's doing almost as Commissioner Gordon, though. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, but, mean, you know, I mean, Carrie Russell's a pretty big name, too. I just don't think she catches, like, the audience's attention as much as Gary Oldman does. Right. It, Her it, fans Oldman... are probably the Apes fans, I don't think, though. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, is so, anyone uh, surprised that Judy Greer actually did uh, Caesar's Wife, like, motion capture? It was cool because it was like was a wordless cool. performance. She nailed it. Yeah, I know. Very impressive. I didn't know that, that until I looked it up on IMDb. There, and there, there's uh, my question, I guess, for everyone is, I I think, and I know Academy Awards really don't mean a whole lot or anything, but I really think that moving forward, showing apes, showing what you can do with motion capture actors <coughs> and how you're actually capturing their real performance, even though it's CGI, do you think that... Uh, they the, the the people in general for acknowledgement might need to change their way of thought on the motion capture performances. Yeah, I, going yeah. forward, I think we're gonna have more of them. Yeah, you you start to see it happening because um, when we were pulling uh, wire photos for my because uh, I am publishing a review on it this week, the AP photo <laughs> captions uh, when it showed the apes, it would have the actor's name in the parentheses for the ape characters, you know, mm -hmm. and you see that and you're like, yep, 
that's where it's going because, you know, what did they give the Oscar to? Heavy makeup rules. Well, yeah. what is the new makeup? It's CG. is really no different. You've got an artist putting it on who's got a skill in its own right, but ultimately it's that performance, you know, that, that uh, we give the award to. So yeah, it's going to happen. It'll definitely happen. Yeah. What about the rest of you? Any, any thoughts oh, on that? I, I, I think absolutely because, I mean, I look when you look at some other mediums, look at uh, theater. Mm-hmm. Because I've had people who disagree with me on this because they'll say, well, you know, there's so much more that goes into the acting, you know, their, their facial expressions and, and, you know, their emotions. And I'm like, theater, unless you're, like, in the first three rows, you can't see shit for the actor's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they still got people winning Tony Awards and all that type of stuff. So that's it's it's not just, you know, there's so much more to it than just simply how you look. There's definitely a delivery to it. Watch some anime that's dubbed, and you can see a huge difference between good voice acting and bad voice acting. <laughs> and, and yeah, if they'll nominate Robert Downey Jr. for playing a black person, they'll definitely, you know, yeah. they'll definitely have a motion capture. 3-6 Mafia rap group on an Oscar. Yeah, so, uh, you know, anything. <laughs> they, they need to adjust, I think, because Andy Serkis, I mean, out of all of these characters, you've got a lot of characters in this film, Andy Serkis, I know everybody's praised him. He deserves it. This film really is about Caesar, and if you don't sell that character, you don't you lose your film entirely. And I thought his performance was fantastic. Yeah, if, they, if he doesn't get an Oscar uh, someday in the next like ten years, he'll get one of those lifetime achievement ones yeah. when it's over. That's mm-hmm. what I was just gonna say. He'll get one of those lifetime achievements because by that point he'll just be in, he'll be in every movie. But yeah. You know, you know, just, I, I, you know, it's Godzilla starring Andy Serkis. <laughs> Pacific Rim 4 starring Andy Serkis. <laughs> just just Serkis. He does Romeo and Juliet starring Serkisized. Circus de Soleil. Charlie's <laughs> Angel 5. <laughs> I like that. Circus Transformers Angel. 4. Circus Rises. <laughs> <laughs> They have Optimus Prime riding on a robot elephant. Oh, God. Oh, you just hurt my brain now, Tony. Performed by Andy Serkis. <laughs> things turn into a circus jerk. <laughs> but outside of Andy Serkis, I will say the other actors that they had performing the motion capture did very well, too, though. That's what surprised me. I mean, yeah, you know, that is the standout performance, but Koba... The guy, you know, guy playing Koba, that's a guy mocap. You know, that wasn't Circus doing someone else as well. I mean, Circus didn't do all the apes. No, I would, <laughs> I would, I would look to see in the future some bigger name actors wanting to do motion capture roles sure. in films because of this. I, I think that would happen. Somebody's like, hey man, let me, let me get Koba next time. Really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it will be a selling point for the movie, motion captured uh, Robert Downey Jr. and so forth. Well, and I think the character of Maurice was actually performed by a female. It's uh, it's not Judy Greer, is she? Because she was in the film too as Caesar's wife. Is that is that her and Maurice? No, I, I think it was another. Uh, I, I would have to pull it up here because I, I know Donald. If something. that's if that's true, then that's really awesome because if they won't give women more lead roles, they can give them you know <laughs> give them male characters capture. to play. Maybe yeah. step, I guess. Yeah, Maurice was played by a Karen Konoval. Sweet. A, a, a woman. Awesome. And it's the Maurice character. And I, I love Maurice. And yeah, she. I thought that was a really well done 
well acted character. That's cool. Um, so so that is cool. That that uh, that that did happen. So yeah, motion capture. You're right. Other uh, actors in that. Uh, I think we'll start wanting to step up as well. Uh, we have one question here tonight from uh, our, our missing uh, crew member, Joe Caldwell. He's not feeling well. Uh, what up, Joe? Well. But uh, Joe did send us a question, and I, I think this is a good question for the final question of the evening is, who trained all the horses? That's <laughs> 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 an excellent question, Joe. <laughs> Even when the apes escaped at the end of Rise, they all of a sudden found horses. Again, some sort of 80s, you know, training montage. It could have been <laughs> 80s enough. training montage. 80s training montage. This didn't have enough of those. I think Sylvester Stallone trained him. They had little <laughs> wheels on them, but they CGI'd it out. <laughs> <laughs> could have or something could have done that. I mean, there were chimps that were doctors and nurses, so, I mean, it's... Know. True. True. Why would they use those horses while hunting, man? That'd make chasing deer a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't think that far yet. (laughs) They're still learning spears, so, you know. (laughs) They won't. Glenn will notice that they're not on horses this time. Okay, next movie. Glenn needs to not notice that. (laughs) (laughs) So. And the third, and the third film, the apes are gonna ride on fishes underwater. <laughs> I hope they're in. I hope they're in cars. Honestly, I hope they're in cars and using computers and TV. Because you know, in the original apes novel, they were a lot more advanced, and they just yeah. couldn't. They couldn't. They didn't want to go yeah, that. They had... Either they couldn't afford it or something for that original apes movie. But I would love for that if it's a new, if it's a trilogy. Uh, I would love for the next one for them to just be, you know, them using iPads and all that stuff. That's and robotic that's elephants. Yeah, they right. That would be great. That, that's actually a good point. You you bring that up, Andrew, because they did establish power to the city again. So, and they're in the city with power now. They could discover how to use that. Yeah, uh, it could, they could just, it could open with, like, the Starbucks and a guy getting mad and throwing his doo-doo <laughs> because he got his coffee wrong and his crap and starts masturbating and stuff. And they're just like, that's Jim. He's always doing that when he doesn't get his cappuccino right. I will, I will say there's, there's one thing with, with, with these movies in general, with the, the whole, how humans devolve into, like, I mean, just pretty much, I mean, Basically, caveman level sure. savages is that it definitely shows the heavy Western influence and the heavy Western idea of how the world is. Because mm-hmm. losing all technology, how much effect does it really have on the average person in you know in the the plains of Mongolia? Yeah, or in you know a lot of the African people where they wouldn't devolve at all. Well, right. it's the white. In it's fact, when they show this. Like, We're fucking set. They, when they show dystopia in uh, these American movies, it's often like the the, the white dystopia or the yes. or the privileged dystopia. So you really? kind of keep that in mind because the yes. people that are average person that's going to see it, that's their dystopia. It's not yep. you know the universal. Yeah. But, oh, that's that's beautiful, Tony. Thank you. I, I always I always view these movies as this is North America, and because they haven't developed you know sea travel, I'm thinking like over in Africa. There's Africans just sitting there, you know. They're they're still sitting there, li- living living their normal lives, practically like nothing changed. And just be like, you know, haven't seen those UN do-gooders in about fifty years. 
this is pretty nice. You good? There's no coming down no more. But that's why the the uh, Transformers movies are, are more of a uh, worldwide hit because everyone can kind of agree giant robots would suck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Even true. the guy getting his Wi-Fi in the caves like, yeah, no, I don't want that. No, <laughs> robots, no. Yeah, right. You're th- you're thinking some native, you know, in in the jungle is like apes. You just ate one yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> See what the feel is. <laughs> Yeah, they they well they made even the point of that though that the the one guy it, when they were around the campfire was saying well this is why they're more advanced than us they don't need this they don't need this <laughs> he's well, like and the problem I had with that whole dialogue is what you said I'm like well you know what I don't really need that either to survive yes it's nice but I know how to make a fire uh, I don't need like electricity necessarily, you know, to survive. You know, the, the people sitting in the mall multiplex watching it are going to be like, yeah, no. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, you know, slurp icy check oh phone. My, oh, no. Oh, my where, God. you got guys Kindle like Ted Nugent who are like, bring it on. <laughs> Let the world like fucking get... end. I'm set. <laughs> where will we get cheese for oh, our nachos? Oh, oh, you lost power to your iPad? Oh, I just lost my feeling to disease. But, you know, okay, first world problems. <laughs> hey, plot exactly. twist. I'm the one that trained the horses. Oh, you play... Tony Ooh. trained the horses. <laughs> Sweet. We've got, we've got our answer there. Way to go, Tony. He uses tiger to power to the max. I was going to say that tiger power. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh... Any final thoughts on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Do you think that um, this will, say, in 10 years, uh, hold up and maybe be considered a, a newer classic? Or do you think it will still fade away with the other blockbusters that we've seen over the past couple of years? Final thoughts. Uh, definitely go and check it out, you guys, if you actually want a good, fun summer movie that has a story in it. I'm sorry, Bayformers, just not a story. But, um, you know... I don't know if it'll hold up as a classic overall. I think for this series, though, I think it is a high point, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to hold up against a film like The Dark Knight or one of those really big blockbusters. Sure. Don, what about you? Uh, final thoughts, then? Do you think uh, in 10 years it'll be considered maybe a classic similar to the originals? or? I think that's a big maybe. I think it'll mm-hmm. depend a lot on how they finish the franchise. They're the the new modernization of the franchise, so maybe. Sure. And Glenn, what about you, sir? No. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Just this this is nothing against this movie. I I think that called the culture has just shifted enough where you don't really get many films that become those classics now. It's right. it's it's. it's it's not like because there's so many movies put out, and there's so many that it just they all blend together now, because everything's so grand. Right. And, I mean, if if there are classics, this one would have a better shot. But I I think a lot of that, it's got to be something that really really now really stands out as something really different for it to achieve that level. And I'm I'm talking something not like a cult classic that is just you know you got the weird people like us who, who love it, but I'm talking about <laughs> yes. one where it really stands the test of time, where lots of people, you know, look back and, and it still holds up. 
Sure. You know, in the way in the way that like you know like say a Star Wars or a Jaws does. I don't think you're right. gonna have films like those anymore for the most part that are really gonna hold up. You know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, where people are gonna still look back and go, "Oh God, I I remember I remember the first time I saw Jaws." You know, it's a lot of people be like, oh, "I think I saw playing I think I saw it in the theater. I don't know. I, I might have had it on on Blu-ray, but you know, I mean, all I have now is hollow disc. So, <laughs> Glenn, uh, hollow disc, yes. Uh, Andrew, uh, what about you? Final thoughts on on the dawn of Planet of the Apes, and do you think it'll be a classic maybe in ten years, or is Glenn right that maybe we just have too many films and there's no real classic anymore? I uh, I can't. I don't think I have the. I don't think I have the right perspective for it. I can't see it as its own movie. I see it as mm-hmm. part of uh, a, a legacy of of what I feel is is uh, the most consistently good film franchise in history. Um, the none of the directors t- tried to strike out against and do their own thing with the films. None of them really tried to top the other ones. They all just—it's bizarre how reverent they all seem to be for the ones that came before and the consideration they all seem to have for um, you know a franchise that isn't like known as one of the big hit blockbuster ones because they it wasn't they weren't the big money makers and so it's kind of strange that this isn't like you know the the witchcraft of sci-fi or something like that it's right. actually um, it's actually quite consistent each and every one of the movies is great and um, if, if somebody's gonna buy like a 10 disc set you know in a decade from now or two decades from now, um, they're all going to fit together if everybody kind of sticks to what worked. And uh, that's what's, to me, amazing about the new one is uh, it's got ideas that were great that were done in movies in the 70s. It, it really hasn't tried to break the mold, which is weird because you think about like, franchises that I enjoy more kind of on the whole, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or stuff like that, none of them are as consistent, not even the Final Destinations or anything. And right. uh, I, I like all of the Apes movies. I like them all, and I like this one. Cool. And Tony, what about you, sir? Final thoughts on Dawn, and uh, do you think uh, you'll be considering it a classic in 10 years? I definitely would, so, because... You know, uh, it's a summer blockbuster, but, you know, the whole focus isn't on the action. The whole focus isn't on just visuals. Of course, you need the visuals to tell the story for a movie like this, but most, but the most important thing about this film is that it actually had a story. They actually, There was a lot of heart and a lot of passion into writing and directing the story. Matt Reeves obviously knew what he was doing when directing this film. There were character-driven moments. There were moments that could get you teared up a little. So I think in terms of emotions, tensions, writing, direction, cinematography, visuals, performances, all of the great stuff. And considering it's one of my favorite films of the year and and personally one of the best sequels I've ever seen, period, I would definitely consider it a classic. And if 10 years from now someone told me that they've never seen Don the Pony Apes, I would just straight up say see that shit, dude, because it is fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I really love the movie, personally. It's one of my favorite films of the year, and I would definitely love to see it in the theaters again if I have a chance, and I'm definitely going to buy it as when it first comes to DVD, so I really love the movie. Cool. 
Well, thank you all for joining me tonight on this uh, late Monday night for discussing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it definitely gave me some perspective. Uh, everybody uh, loved all the opinions and stuff. Hey, uh, why don't we now take this time to do the pimping? And Colin, go ahead first, sir. Uh, what would you like? Uh, where can we find you and your stuff? And uh, let the spoiler room listeners, the uh, people we have out there, know where you are. So you guys can find me on my YouTube channel, Marvel DC Fans Reviews, and on Twitter at MDC Reviews. And yeah, I'm also on just different Facebook groups. Uh, we Live Film Facebook page, Cinema Discussions, and Bluetooth Community. Awesome. And Dawn, pimp your uh, blog, please. Um, you can find me at intheaudience.net. Awesome. Great blog. Go check it out. Uh, great review there from Collins as well. Uh, some great stuff up there. And Glenn, what about you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Naked Hobo. Uh, you can also find me on the B-Movie Bunker on YouTube, as well as find me on this podcast, as well as... Uh, Film Jerks, and <laughs> Astro Radio Z. Yes, we, uh, we've, we've lived and uh, watched witchcraft together. So my, my, my Check out the seven-and-a-half-hour epic podcast. <laughs> yes, a podcast that was seven-and-a-half hours long where it's all the episodes where we talked about the witchcraft franchise. No one has done it quite like that. Uh, <laughs> Glenn's my witchcraft brother, man. I'm not sure if we should be proud of that. I, 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 I You're don't awesome, know Glenn. You're <laughs> Andrew, what about you, sir? Oh, uh, well, um, I have some films on Amazon On Demand. Uh, the newest one is Pajama Nightmare. Uh, I've also got one called Mondo Gonzo, one called Fake Blood, and the new one, The Underground Cinema, will be on uh, uh, around uh, mid-September. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, and Mr. Estrada, rounding out the evening, where can we find your stuff, sir? All right. I have a lot to say here. You can find me at 22TigerDude. Uh, two twos and TigerDude, lowercase. Um, same for Instagram, at 22TigerDude. For Twitter, it's at TigerDude22. And for Facebook, it is 22TigerDude, where you can see all of my tiger power from there. Awesome. Fantastic. And, uh, yes, and you can catch this, the Spoiler Room, on iTunes, folks. Uh, we are on there as well as Stitcher Radio. We have four episodes. This will be the, our fifth one up there. Uh, they seem to be doing good. Uh, people do uh, are listening to them, from what I can tell. So uh, we appreciate everyone listening in on our little podcast where we uh, talk films. Uh, you can find uh, my stuff, youtube.com slash specialmark for the final cut. I also do stuff on We Live Film. I'm host of Horror Thursdays there. If you're uh, looking for a, a insight on horror movies, I bring you anything from the big big screen horror films to the very obscure micro-budget. Whatever uh, I feel like uh, reviewing for Horror Thursdays, I bring it to the community to to kind of educate people on maybe some of the indie films they haven't seen. And, of course, I'm on the podcast as well. This one, Asteroid Z and Film Jerks. All of that you can find on specialmarkproductions.com. There's links for my stuff, links for everybody here in the spoiler room tonight. Uh, you can find links to their stuff there. And we appreciate everybody chiming in. Hope you've enjoyed this venture through Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And uh, with the spoiler room, remember, folks, uh, the conversation is always fresh, even if we do spoil the movies. 